Welcome to the Tarot Coven cast. Real people, real talk, real magic. Hello there, lovely listeners, and welcome to the Tarot Coven cast. I'm one of your hosts, Jasmine. And I'm Jekinovia. And this time on the show, we're sharing our thoughts on The Power of Tarot by Liz Worth. It's sort of like a book club, but we're only meeting once. Uh, But first, we've got some patron shout-outs to do, so we would like to say a big thank you to Melissa S. and Hannah W. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us over on the Patreon. We love you. And if you're wondering why your name wasn't mentioned, we just haven't, uh, we either haven't reached out to you to see if you want to do like a more personal shout out or a different kind of shout out, or you signed up before we recorded this or after we recorded this, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's, let's dive into this book. I kind of peeked at our notes before we started recording. We've got like 10 pages of notes. So there's lots to discuss tonight. So let's just dive into it. Um, I think I figured we could do some overall thoughts before we dive into each sort of part of the book. And, you know, up front when I was like, it's kind of like a book club, but we're only meeting once. It's it's kind of a joke. It's kind of not. <laughs> um, we probably should have done this a couple of chapters at a time. Yeah. Um, doing a whole book all at once kind of feels silly now in retrospect that I think about it. But uh, you know, whatever you live, you learn, you podcast, you go to sleep, you do it all again the next day. But um, (laughs) so, yeah, so if we ever do another book, which I mean, I still enjoyed reading it, so maybe we will. Yeah, I'd like to do this again. Yeah, but maybe next time we'll actually do it like as a book club throughout one half of the season or something. But um, yeah, yeah, so this is going to be a little bit of an experiment. So bear with us and we hope you enjoy this little journey. I mean, do you want to do you want to kick us off with some overall thoughts? Um, sure. Uh, I mean, the very first thing, I just want to put a disclaimer out there because I realized as I was writing these notes that some of them seem like I'm like not impressed or almost monotone about everything I read. And I just want to make sure that everyone understands I have so much respect for Liz Worth and the obvious blood, sweat and tears that went into the creation of this book. Um, I just, if that energy happens to come across as we chat, I just want to admit that I kind of struggled in parts to really dig in with my whole heart. Um, for a few reasons, but none of them are really have anything to do with the book or the author. I mean, the first reason is because I made the mistake of buying it in ebook format, and that I that was my bad. <laughs> I'm 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 the kind of person who needs a real book in my hands. Right. So I mean, lesson learned. Uh, I'm also a very right brain person, so that's like that creative, like I, I need the stimulation and stuff. And this book is laid out in a really practical, um, like left brain way, which is going to be paradise for anybody who has that logical kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. And third, I've never actually been able to connect with a tarot book before. So I hope that that also doesn't translate into into me not liking this book because I really did. I really enjoyed it and it gave me a lot of things to think about. Um, I'm I just wanted to kind of say because I'm an intuitive reader and I had never read a book about tarot other than like the little guidebooks sometimes. So I really had no idea what any of the, the so-called proper meanings behind any of the cards were until a few years ago when I downloaded Ryder Waits, or sorry, Waits um, companion book, the one that he wrote like back in 1909. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember anything from that. So, <laughs> so 
I mean, that's just how things are in one ear, out the other. And I think that was probably the very first tarot book I ever read, which I know sounds almost ludicrous because I've been reading tarot cards for so long. But uh, anyway, so most of my tarot education has been through conversations and listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos and watching other readers and kind of working with the cards myself. So I just wanted to get those little disclaimers out there. Yeah. Um, did you want to chat about kind of your overall thoughts? There was a couple of things that surprised me about it, but if you want to go over your thoughts first. Yeah, sure. I have some mixed feelings about the book overall, and I think it's just because of where I'm at in my tarot journey and what this book is sort of meant for, I think, if that makes sense. So like at certain points, it did feel like a review of ideas and concepts that I'm already pretty familiar with. But then at others, I was given this like totally new way to look at tarot concepts. Um, And I was given this infusion of love for the practice in these certain little tidbits, these certain little parts of the book. Um, Then again, at parts, I felt like it was a little too workbooky for my taste, if that makes sense. Like I, the, the prompts are great. I think they're going to be really helpful for people that are looking for that kind of thing. But I don't know that that's what I wanted when I sat down to read it every night. Uh, and then yet again, some of them were really powerful. And I was like, okay, I can't wait to do this because it's something that I never thought of. So I think overall, this is a great book for mostly beginners. I think it's a great way to dive into tarot, particularly because a lot of the viewpoints that Liz has, I think sort of, if if you get those first, they're going to save you from like a lot of nonsense that's out there. And we can get into that as we get to certain points throughout the book. Um, mm-hmm. But I also do think that it has some merit for seasoned readers because I can tell you that, like I just said, there were certain parts of the book that did really reignite my love for certain aspects of tarot. You know, I was talking about it on a previous episode. Just the way that Liz talks about the elements was so insightful and so unique to me that it was just like, oh man, I can't. I've been looking at cards for the past week only with element. And it's been so um it's been so valuable and so powerful. So, you know, like I it's 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 kind of a weird place that I'm feeling. Like I I loved it, but I also was like, nah, you know, okay. So <laughs> those are my thoughts. I get it. Yeah. 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 I I mean I totally see where you're coming from. Cause yeah, there was a lot of it that was just the bare basics that I kind of I obviously already knew, but it was also nice to review. Like you said, it was it was a nice kind of refresher. But yeah. then there were some things I was like, oh, right. And you know, I never thought of that. So Yeah, I I get it. I get where you're at. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's not, I mean, by no means do I think it's a bad book, and it's certainly very well written, and I think um, sometimes sometimes maybe it's good for more seasoned readers to go back and read something like this to sort of humble yourself in a way, because even though I did feel like it was a review at some parts, it was also like, oh, right. This is what people who are first coming to tarot are thinking about. And I think it's good to reframe every so often and remember what that beginning, uh, what that beginning of the practice is like so that you can still connect with people in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. And I mean, we're probably going to, well, I know we're going to talk about it later on, but like there was a few times when I was like, I'm so glad that she busted that. I'm so glad yes. that she brought that up or mentioned. So, I mean, 
even though it was things I knew, it was really nice to see someone present it. Mm-hmm. So, so what were the things that surprised you? Well, okay. So the first thing was that there's actually no tarot card, like specific interpret interpretations. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of expecting a whole section on like, you know, this is what the ace means and this is what the two means. Right. So I was, I was surprised about that. Ple- pleasantly surprised really, because I, I don't respond well to being told what to see. Right. <laughs> Maybe suggested, but not told what to see. Yes. Um, and then the second thing that really surprised me is there's really not much about like the spiritual aspect of the tarot, of working with the tarot. Mm-hmm. It's just very, like I said, logical and very methodical, which it was interesting to me. Like, it's not that I didn't like that there wasn't anything in there, but I kind of expected it to be. And I was surprised that there wasn't. So it was really interesting to just see it kind of, I don't want to say textbook because that's definitely not the right word, but just more of a practical, this is just what it is. Look at it. Yeah, it's like this book has no frills and that's fine. I mean, yeah, because there are so many books out there that have all the frills and do all of the things and are only about the spiritual side of things. And I mean, this Mm -hmm. just I think that this is a unique book in that way for sure. All right, so let's dive into the the introduction then. There are sort of three parts to this book plus the introduction. Um, I just have a, a few brief thoughts. I mean, essentially, I never read an introduction to a book. Do you? I, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> figured you would. No. I figured you would. I wanted to say, no, I never do, but I do every time. I, I'm just like, and you know what's funny is that once I was – I was in the process of writing a book and I was writing an introduction and I was like, nope, just going to call it chapter one because I'm not going to do the thing that I hate in books. Like, I just don't like an introduction. I'm just like, just make it part of your book. (laughs) Actually, honestly, I'll read the introduction and if it doesn't vibe with me, I would just won't read the book. Oh, and that is so terrible. I feel like such a bad human. (laughs) But I mean, it gives you a really good taste. It does. And I got to say, I read the introduction for this one because we were doing it for the podcast. And I'm honestly very glad that I did read it because, you know, kind of what you're just saying, it made me, it gave me a total taste for what the book was going to be like and a lot of Liz's sort of points of view. You know, she talks about like, people get so hung up on whether or not you should read reversals and how do you shuffle? And she's like, those are, those can be important, but they're really just surface issues. And I was like, oh, this is, yes, okay, I agree so much. And just other things that she said, like, you know, how you want your tarot practice to grow with you and that as you read this book, you know, take take what works and leave the rest. It's not gospel. It. I don't know everything. And I just thought that was such a good reminder. And yeah. I don't know that we've ever said it on the show, but the same goes for us, guys. Like, we yeah. don't know everything. For us, it, it's always take what works and leave the rest. Always, yeah. always, always. And please share your share your views. Yes. We'd love to hear more. Like, you know, this is definitely a two-way conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Three-way, I suppose, because never mind, you and get sometimes it. four-way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> depends on how, what we feel like. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I think that probably that statement when Liz was like, hey, I don't know everything. It, You know, this is just the way I do it. I, that's kind of where the respect was built for me because she wasn't coming at it as, hey, I'm the expert here. I'm mm-hmm. going to talk to you about it. It was almost like, hey, this is just what I do. You know, hopefully yeah. it helps. Yeah. And, and I really resonated with that. And even the way of of her explaining like, this is how I'm going to approach this because this is what's worked for me and this is the best way that I can explain things. 
and I'm not going to try and be anything that I'm not. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah, that was, to me, it was just like, okay, I like you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then like, what kind of sprung from this for me was like being open to always learning new things is so important. And it's not just in your tarot practice or your spiritual practice. It's like in everything. Yeah. So, and I think even Liz said it somewhere in the book and I, I couldn't quite find the exact quote. But I totally agree with her. It was basically that anyone who claims that they know everything there is to know is, like, I would say, full of shit. I don't remember her words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being open to, to things in all parts of your life so important. It's reminding me of a tweet that I saw just a couple of days ago. Of course, I saw the tweet on Instagram because, like, I rarely go on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but it was saying something like uh, – I'm not really worried about wrinkles or gray hair. What I'm worried about is being like open-minded enough that I'm not putting down younger generations for, you know, being open to certain things or whatever. Like I'm definitely paraphrasing, but I was like, damn, that's so true. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. hope because I've, I've dealt with so many older people that are like so close-minded. It's going a little off topic, but you see what I mean. Yeah. All right. So shall we dive into part one to know tarot? Let's do it. All right. So I kind of, as I read through this, it kind of felt to me that this part of the book was mostly about getting to know your own approach to tarot. Even if you've never picked up a deck before, it was like sitting down and thinking about certain questions, um, understanding your beliefs around how you think tarot works and like what level of magic you're kind of into um, and how that's going to play into your practice with tarot, you know, like what intentions are you bringing to your readings, right? And then, you know, learning how to set boundaries and just kind of developing your relationships to the card, to the cards in general. Yeah. I I really like this kind of the way she went at it as well, because it's almost posing the question. It's like, okay, what are you expecting from the tarot? And is that realistic? Yes. And I I was like, I really wish I would have come at like when I first found my first deck I wish I would have really thought about that too because I think I just would have been miles ahead like Mm -hmm. earlier on so yeah totally and I love her um transparency about her first experience with tarot she says that she she got this tarot deck and she sort of felt like it owed her something right it was supposed to hold Mm -hmm. all of these secrets and all of these answers and then it like she pulled some cards and like nothing happened, you know, like she just didn't have that spark or she didn't have that instant connection. And it's a super refreshing experience to read about because I remember when I was first getting into tarot, I would listen to podcasts or I would read books or whatever. And all of the stories were like, well, I was in the womb when I first felt the call (laughs) to tarot. And it's like, you know, I'm exaggerating, but it was all these stories of people who found it when they were young and immediately connected and it's been in their life forever and it's been this love affair. And I don't think that that, I don't think it's impossible. Obviously there's people out there that have had that experience, but it's not my story. And the longer I've been reading tarot, the more I've talked to people that read tarot, it's really not that universal of a story. So I think it's, I really appreciated that she shared it up front. Yeah, especially with her being positioned as such Again, I don't want to say expert, but in the field, like she's sure. such kind of out there and prominent. Yeah, exactly. And it's important for somebody like her to say that because, you know, if you don't have that immediate 
connection with tarot, it doesn't mean that you're not an intuitive person. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a great relationship with it, you know? Exactly. Like literally all it means is that you just didn't hit it off right away. That was it. It could be the deck you bought. I mean, it yeah. could just literally not, uh, you might not it connect have been with the that day. artwork. Yep. It, it could have been just the day. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, I totally agree with this. Um, and I just wanted to add, like, I get a little uncomfortable when I share my tarot story um, because of that reason. I, I don't want it to throw some people off who maybe didn't have that light bulb moment that I had so, you know, so young. Um, but with that said, the way I read the cards now is, does it doesn't look anything like it did when I first started. So right. even though I had that light bulb moment, it didn't stick. So kind of basically what I wanted to say is like, even though I had that connection, it didn't mean squat in the long run. Gotcha. So, yeah. And also a fun fact, the tarot actually made me nervous at first. I started with Oracle cards and tarot made me nervous. So nervous in what way like that it, it was going <laughs> to give you some scary messages that you weren't ready to mm, deal with not, or? Well, it wasn't so much that it was more of, Um, the tarot just seemed to be more for an elite group who was Uh quote unquote better than me and had, you know, had the generations before them who taught them and it was handed down and because I was the first in anybody I knew to have a tarot deck or any Oracle cards or anything. Like it was like not something I'd ever been exposed to. So I was like, well, I haven't been trained. I haven't been, you know, I don't have this in my blood or anything. So that's why it made me nervous. I was like, how dare I? Oh, that's so interesting. I I mean, I, I think I shared a similar response, but I don't know if it was nervous that came, like, because I heard a lot of the same things, like, you know, the things I was just sharing, like people that have been reading since they were very young or that it yeah. ran in the family or stuff like that. So I felt that there was maybe, um, I, I felt left out more than anything, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think the nervous was I think the reason I use the word nervous is almost, and it sounds silly actually to even articulate it, but it was like almost the the tarot police were going to come out and say, you're not Aww. allowed to have these. Or, you know, something like that. Like I just wasn't supposed to have them. So, yeah. yeah. Aw. I'm so glad you don't feel that way. And if anybody oh, out no. there feels like that, there, there's no such thing and you're welcome no. and you're supposed to be here. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know what? I am the tarot police and you are totally let <laughs> Okay, so there is a section in the book basically about the conversation between or the conversation about sort of fate versus free will or fate and free will. And um, I actually don't know how to tackle this part. It feels really it feels really big, this part of the book for me. I don't know if it felt like that for you, but it it did in a way like and it's so funny because I didn't actually think think about it until I read your notes on it. I was like, oh. Yeah, because to me, fate and free will, it's just not something I really think about all that much because to, they're just not big subjects for me. Hmm. Not that they're not important. It's just I believe everything is free will. Nothing is, okay. you know. So I was just really interested to kind of see you kind of talk about these notes that you've made. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because as I was reading this section in the book, I was also taking the philosophy portion of my astrology course, and we were talking about the exact oh. same thing. Uh, basically, you know, there are different approaches, and, you know, there's a couple of main ones, but then they break down into, um, you know, the beliefs that sort of overlap, but there's a couple of different approaches to astrology, and Basically, there are some that come from the school of thought that, you know, everything is faded and it's all written in the stars. It's all there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's kind of a modified version of that where, well, it's 
there's some things that are predetermined, but, you know, um, maybe it says that you're meant to become president, but you the, the path that you take to get there has not been decided, right? Um, okay. And then there's also the idea that, like, everything is just random and it's all up to choice and, and chance and all that kind of stuff. And to be yeah. honest, it's not something that I ever really thought about before astrology either. Um, and so it's something that I'm still kind of trying to figure out right now. Like, I still don't know where I land on these things. But what I have been really thinking about lately is that, well, we can we can look ahead 10 years, let's say, right? And we can see where certain planets are going to be. And based on that, we can come up with predictive statements of what might happen, right? Mm. And then if those are to come true, there there is some sense of that that says to me, well, then that was already decided because it was already written out like that. So I don't know if I'm making sense, but... That makes total sense. So, I mean, I even look at something like, you know, before we started recording, I was talking about a particular transit that's coming up. And so that's already there. That's already something that I can look forward to and see and not look forward to in the sense of like, oh, I'm anticipating it, but I can look ahead, like looking ahead in a calendar. Yeah. I can see that that day is coming. I can see that that energy is flowing in. I didn't make any decision for it to come. I didn't choose for it to come. It's just happening. So, and then this idea that, I mean, okay. we all have a birth chart. And if we believe in these things, if we believe in, and I mean, I know I'm taking this away from tarot, but I've really been thinking about it through the no, this lens is like of brain candy lately. So Please go on, yeah. Um, but if I look at somebody's birth chart and I say, it's quite possible that in, you know, this part of life, that this, that these events will happen or, or these kinds of things will take place. If I believe in that, I, there is some, there has to be something about right. that that says that that was already determined. Okay. So that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I, I don't think that we don't have free will. I think that that takes away a lot of our own power. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you could easily turn that around and say, well, that person is a murderer because they were predetermined to be a murderer and they had no choice in the fact, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think that we do have some choice, but I also wonder if it's the illusion of choice and we were meant to make those choices anyway. And I don't Maybe. know if that really bothers me, to be honest, because I yeah. still am experiencing choice. Okay. Okay. So here's what I'm getting from all this is I think I had a completely different like inner definition of what fate means. Okay. Because to me, fate is like, there, it doesn't matter what you do, A, B, and C are going to happen. That's it. And that's what I mean. Like, I believe more in free will, but I suppose looking at fate kind of the way you're, the lens you're looking through it, fate is more of, these are the energies you're working with. Now you choose how to use those. See that, that's kind of how I work. Mm, yeah. So, and I mean, I could be reading it in a different way as well. And maybe that's yeah. not what Liz was going for. And it, it's quite possible that because I was reading this at the same time as doing that part of the astrology course. Once but again. I love where your brain went, though. <laughs> That's the thing. That was such a really interesting kind of train of thought, like a couple of trains of thought. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it's something that I still have no... Uh, to be honest, I don't know if I genuinely care at the end of the day. 
Like it's yeah. not, it's not <laughs> keeping me awake at night, I guess, you know, <laughs> I think yeah. it's also very interesting to think about and have conversations about and hear different points of view about like, I was chatting with Tyler about it a couple of weeks ago and he said, no, everything is just random. It's just, it's random and you, you can make choices, but it might not work out for you. But it's just like, there's no, there's nothing that says anything is anything. Okay. <laughs> and that's, I was like, that's all right, well, completely different. totally different. Right. And I was kind of like, well, then I don't know how you could like be into anything that I'm into kind of because astrology yeah. says one thing. And I mean, yeah. there are pathways within that. And of course there's different interpretations within astrology too. Right. So Anyways, that almost, that almost sounds like a chaos magician statement. That's <laughs> yeah. what that sounds like to me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can see where he's coming from because like, I, I think that some things are random. It's like a collapse. It's a, almost like a clash of like a collective, like this person made this decision, this person made this decision, this person made this decision and all three kind of clashed together and created mm. a situation. Mm -hmm. So in that way, yes, I totally am like, yeah, that's random. Well, and I think that's a great point where you bring in like that person made that decision, that person made that decision. Mm -hmm. And Liz goes on to talk about stuff like this. And I think yeah. the third part of the book, but it's like, yeah, I mean, any, any card we pull that says, okay, this is going to be, okay. You pull a card of the day. This is what your day is going to look like. Except for the yeah. fact that uh person B pulled a card that said the complete opposite and you're interacting with that person. So yeah. what now? Like, I mean, yes. nobody lives in a vacuum. Yeah. So even if you, and I think maybe that's more what she was getting at is that like, even if you pull the tower, it doesn't mean that like everything's going to crumble around you, you know, exactly. like you have the power to then see that and be like, all right, well, how can I sort of remediate against that? Yeah. Essentially. Because I, I think the thing is, is exactly what you're saying. If you pull the tower, it's not saying that, yes, absolutely A, B, and C are going to happen today. It's saying this could happen. So what are you going to do to change it? Yeah. So, and I mean, if, if you don't have any kind of free will or any way to change things that might happen, why bother with tarot? Why bother with astrology? Why bother with any of it? Well, I think that's you know? also a fantastic point because, um, yes, we can look at a birth chart and see events or we can look ahead in time and see where the planets are going to be. We can pull a year ahead spread and we can know what December 2021 is going to look like. But what's the point yeah. Like, what's the point in knowing if there's then nothing you can do? Like, that's no yeah. fun. <laughs> well, and see, your, your example earlier kind of about the presidency thing. You know, if your birth chart says you're going to grow up to be president. Well, maybe you're going to be president of your own company. Mm. Or maybe you're going to be president of the PTA. Right. So it's almost like you have the potential and you get to decide how you're going to use that. Or, for instance, say you were saying to me, you know, next year, um, your your stars are saying that you could, I don't know, win a million dollars or whatever, you'll earn your first million dollars. Well, I can either choose to sit on my ass and wait for that million dollars, or I can choose to do the work and earn that million dollars. It's actually going to show up because if I sit on my ass, it's not going to come. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And I mean, I guess, I guess if we're saying that it would come anyway, I mean, there's a difference in being handed a million dollars and working your ass off for it. Like, I mean, either way, those are two different experiences of life. For sure. Yeah. Sorry. I, I worded that. I didn't mean no, like win a million dollars. meant like you could say, you know, next year that money's going to come and either I can work for it and actually get it or sit on my butt and then realize a year from now, oh, I missed an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <sighs> I mean, it, it's super interesting. I feel like that could be a whole podcast yes. into itself. <laughs> and like I said, that's why I was so excited to kind of see you kind of dive into all of your notes here because I was like, wow, that's super cool. 
Yeah, I I find it really, really fascinating. And um, I kind of hope I never decide what I think because it's way more interesting to just keep thinking about it. (laughs) So just kind of going off the back of all of that astrology talk, I do want to make it very clear that astrology, you don't have to know it to do tarot. And if it makes you feel overwhelmed to think about like all of the astrological correspondences and how they connect, like just throw it away, get rid of it. You do not need to know it. You do not need to work with it. And the same goes for any other spiritual practice. Um, In the book, Liz mentions things like Kabbalah. Um, But these systems weren't created together to be a one for one for one, you know, like they just, there are people that find it interesting to connect them and to make correspondences with them, but just don't worry about it. If it's not working for you, you don't need to know all of these things. You can just read tarot and that's perfectly fine. You know, like I I feel like I, I always go off on astrological tangents and I like, (laughs) I literally can't help it at this point because I'm like living and breathing astrology. (laughs) That's but, why you're the astro pro. Thank you. But it's like, it's so just not necessary. So just as like a little disclaimer, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's super duper important to remember, like, because I, I know in our episodes, of course, we talk about the the elements and we talk about the numerology associations and astrology and all that. Just because we talk about it doesn't mean that's what you have to take in. It's interesting ways to look at it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's all. I think that's our purpose is just to kind of share these ideas and you can take what works and leave behind what doesn't. Oh, sure. I mean, I think for me, at least looking at it, looking at tarot and astrology together has given, I don't think that tarot has influenced the way I look at astrology, but astrology has certainly influenced the way that I look Mm -hmm. at tarot. So it has just given me a different lens, different layers, but that's after a number of years of reading cards first. Yes, that's true. Yeah. It comes with time and I think it changes with time. I know it did for me. It's yeah. completely changed with time. So. Um, I mean, there was another passage too that it kind of is related to this. That it, I'm going to quote it here. So tarot originated in medieval Europe. Despite the intriguing myths that surround its history, it has a humble beginnings as simply a card game. And the reason that really jumped out at me was like it, it really drives home the fact that tarot is just what we make it. It's a deck of cards. Yep. It did not start, you know, in ancient Egypt. It did not start, you know, from some witch in a forest in Norway. Or it, It's just cards. Mm-hmm. They played, it was like bridge or something, I think. Well, not necessarily bridge, but something related to bridge. Yeah, I think she said it was just a game that was very similar to yeah, the styling of that or whatever. Exactly, exactly. So, and by understanding and accepting that, that kind of tells us there are no authorities on reading tarot which circles back to what I was saying earlier when I was feeling nervous because I was afraid that tarot police were going to come and get me. Um, so, and that also means there's no established rules or correct, you know, more correct interpretation. So the way you see a card is correct. Whether anybody else sees it that way or not, it doesn't matter. If you see it that way, that is the right interpretation for you. Yeah. So I, and I just, I think that's really important for tarot newbies to kind of get over is that, that fear of being wrong. Yeah. And this leads into one of my favorite parts is that Liz says, you know, intuition is just trusting in yourself, right? And tarot is just a tool to kind of validate that. So whatever you see on that card, as long as you're using, I mean, as long as you're kind of listening to yourself in that moment, then it's correct. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And then to to the point about like, you know, 
it can be wrong and all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, I loved when she was talking about, you know, pregnancy tests can be wrong. So why can't tarot be wrong? Yes. Like, that's exactly it. Why do we hold tarot to such a huge high standard that's impossible to meet? Yeah, exactly. I think that this book does a really good job. I mean, it's called The Power of Tarot. And I think that's for a very good reason. I mean, one of the last lines in the book is like, you, you know, you look inside yourself and you find the power of tarot. It's a very empowering book. Yep, it, it really is. Um, I guess the last thing I'll say about this section, and feel free to say anything else if you've got more, um, but I, when Liz was talking about this idea that, you know, she didn't have that love at first sight experience with tarot, and she did want to go and learn more about it and, and understand the structure and stuff, it really reminded me of our conversation with Bobby from Outsider Tarot. Like, he kind of had the same situation and he wanted to, especially before he created his own deck, he really wanted to understand the history and the systems and the structure of tarot. And I think that that's, I'm I'm glad I'm hearing more stories like that because I think it's just really cool to, <laughs> for people to hear that like maybe do take that more methodical, more logical approach of like wanting to understand the breakdown of things. And actually reading this book and breaking the tarot down by these different things, even though that's kind of what we've been doing on this podcast and I hadn't realized it until I started reading this book, it's so (laughs) useful. It just becomes so digestible. Yeah. And I mean, I remember that conversation with Bobby and I remember thinking while he was like explaining his process and, and learning, like you said about the structure, it was almost like he was like, this engineer that was just trying to figure out how it worked, like the the nuts and bolts and the gears. And I really admire that. I can't do that. That's a completely difficult thing. I can hardly, I know I can identify systems and like see them in the tarot, but I can't work with them like that. So it's really inspiring to see other people with that kind of mindset really flourish with it. All right. Well, Well, let's, um, should we move in? Yeah. Let's move on to part two, which is called to read tarot. And for me, sort of the, the overall part of this or the overall sort of summary for this part was, um, uh, basically what we were just kind of leading into this idea that there are different systems, there are different ways of breaking down the deck. And um, this is the part that really reinvigorated my love for certain aspects like the elements, like I'm going to keep talking <laughs> about. Um, and I think this is the part of the book that maybe beginners, you might want to skip the first part on your first read through and just get to this part because I think it can um, just offer a new lens for certain aspects. Yeah. All right. Well, I know we both were a big fan of this, but I was so happy. Like I literally clapped. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Liz just right out the gate dispels the myth that somebody else needs to buy you a tarot deck for your first tarot deck that it needs to be gifted. And I'm just like, so not true. So not true. Stop waiting to live your life. If you want a tarot deck, and you know what? If you really like the idea of it being gifted, wrap it and give it to yourself. Give it to yourself. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. I just, I, I, I just. hate, I hate that stupid myth. I think it's so silly. It is. Ugh, it drives me crazy. It's just like it takes, it's one of those things that takes all the power away from somebody. It really does. Because the thing is, is A, do it yourself. Like, you don't have to rely on somebody else to, to give you something this beautiful. And second, if you're choosing your deck, you're going to choose one that you're actually attracted to. Mm-hmm. So I just, yeah, I was just so happy. But also, <laughs> I mean, there are 
plenty of people that probably don't feel comfortable telling anybody that they want a tarot deck. And so what are they supposed to do? Yeah, just wait around for it magically to happen. No, no. Make the magic yourself. Go get it. Yes. I've bought myself so many tarot decks. Mm-hmm. So many. Mm-hmm. Too many. I'm not going <laughs> to, we're just going to leave it at that. Too We've many. seen your collection. <laughs> <laughs> All oh. right. Um, yeah. So let's just talk about the major arcana then. Um, I I noticed that you, you did this little exercise that she suggests, which was to lay the cards out from the fool to the world and kind of check out what sequences are occurring. And I think she kind of talked about it as, you know, the fool's journey. We hear this quite often. But what yeah. if you were the fool card walking through each of the major arcanas? Like, who are you meeting on the journey and what are they teaching you? I, I thought that was really fascinating. So you did it. So yeah. tell us about it. All right. So what I did is I laid out all the majors kind of in front of me, like as if it was a big path, right? It, it was a long one. And so I took the fool and I started him like before the magician. So he started at the magician. He was facing away from the magician, right? Because he's walking off the cliff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I was like, okay, so what are we seeing? How are they interacting and, and whatnot? And then I moved him to the other side of the magician. So he was between the magician and the high priestess. So then he's not facing the high priestess, but he's looking back at the magician. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what does that mean? So I started thinking, I'm like, okay, so we have to look back to see what we're learning from these lessons as we're moving through this. So we're not going to see them coming. And Ooh. so I kind of walked him through every single one. And even I was, I geeked out. So even like when he was between two cards, so say the magician and the high priestess, yeah. I was like, okay. So what is she saying to him and why is he looking back to the magician about it? Is she asking him questions? Like, I just went crazy with it and I, it was fun. Oh, that and sounds really fun. I just wanted to geek out. <laughs> yeah, I honestly never even thought about the fact that he would be or that they, like the, the fool, they, would yes. be looking away from, yeah, from essentially each card that you put it next to in on that side anyway, right? Like on yeah. the left side, it's always going to be facing away. Right. In the Smithwaite, so, anyways, I guess. We say, yeah, the Smithwaite. Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I talk about doing these, I usually use the Smithwaite just because it's easy to access. Yes. But. Yeah. Fair enough. Wow. That's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great exercise to do, though. And that is definitely something that I'm going to go back for. So, highly recommend. All right. So, when Liz is kind of comparing the major arcana to the minor arcana, she says that the majors are more like the overall spiritual work uh, versus the minors kind of being the day to day. And I think you have a really good note here because I was kind of like, I think it's all spiritual work and the majors are sort of the big picture and the minors are more the day to day. But um, yeah, yeah, why don't you go into your note? Like, and I agree. I think that the majors are kind of like the, the bigger, maybe outside influences that we don't necessarily have control over. It's just the, the energies we're working in and the minors are that day-to-day, our tasks and, and our interactions. Um, but I think, I think I understand what she was meaning by this, but I was, the wording just didn't sit quite right. Later on in the book, it, she kind of goes further into it in a different way, which I kind of helped. Um, but the small day-to-day magic is kind of what makes up the spiritual. So I don't feel like they're one or the other. They're both like, you can't have the big magic unless you have the little magic inside yeah. of that. Like that's what makes it up. It's the building blocks. Yeah, I feel like in a sense, we're all saying the same thing, but it is interesting yeah. and I think useful to look at the majors as more of like a, just that big picture kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone ever 
explained it that way before. It always was like, oh, they're archetypes. And like that doesn't – that's never really resonated with me so much. Mm, Like I get it, but it just never – just never worked for me. Yeah. I I mean, I've been able to see it as both – archetypes is kind of – I don't know if that's the right word, but kind of like personality traits that you can take on as you're working through a situation. So it's like, okay, I'm facing A, B, and C today. I really need that Empress energy. So that kind of way. But um, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about a few things in the minor arcana section. I did really like how she said, you know, messages won't always be magical, but they might instead remind us to find magic in the mundane. I feel like she's been listening to our podcast. Um, (laughs) And then I really liked this sentence. So through the minor arcana, we are reminded that friendships, careers, successes, and masterpieces are often built over long periods of time with stops and starts and small adjustments made along the way. I think that's a really great way of looking at Mm -hmm. the minors and remembering that there's nothing really minor about them, you know? Yes, exactly. (laughs) To get cheesy. Well, yeah, that's that's true, though. Like, everything has a has a consequence and every like good or bad and these little we call them mundane interactions with people and places and things they do make up that big picture like we were just saying so they are important they're not I don't I don't know they're just they're not to be overlooked yes so it's interesting because I I looked at page 88 in my ebook and I was like that's just a really weird quote (laughs) but it's because your page numbers are way different from mine But I was so I was waiting for that, and now it makes sense. I get it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it'd be great if the top of eighty-eight was just like the continuation of one sentence, just like a few words. That's so I funny. think it was. I'm opening up now, really quick, just to show you. Um, upon someone else, offer it up by saying, "This is what I'm feeling. I'm not sure what it means for you, so I'll just put it back out there." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, all right, awesome." <laughs> Yep. I mean, didn't you find that so profound? <laughs> I did. I totally did. I was just I was curious as to where you were going to go with it. And then it just occurred to me as you were speaking, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> so do with that information what you will. I love it. I'm glad we both brought our page 88 into the mix. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. 88 never failed. <laughs> well, I mean, in the minor arcana stuff, I really like that she was... I'll I'll just, actually, there's a quote. So we might look at some of the court cards and instead of being inspired, we could feel repelled. And Mm -hmm. that really illustrated how the miners depict real everyday life. It's not always roses and rainbows. Um, So I really like that she brought that realness into it rather than just focused on the light and fluffy stuff. Yep. So, and then she makes a suggestion that the miners are where we find like quote unquote, the work that we can do to do like ourselves, like our inner work or whatever. So what we have control to change. Yeah, I really like that too. I'm surprised I didn't write down that note, but that was such a, that, that helped me kind of reframe that idea of archetypes, I guess, with the majors. Like, okay, these are things that are happening that are, again, I guess big picture. It's just the words big picture make more sense to me, but yeah, yeah, this idea that the minors are something that we can, you know, really grasp and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like the way you use the word big picture because it's, it's like the big picture that's made up of all the, the minors. So right. I like that you use that terminology just for the record. <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, I just, I don't know, like archetypes is fine and it's obviously yeah. a legitimate way of looking at things. It's just, I don't know, maybe big picture will help other people too. Hopefully. Yeah. 
Yeah, archetypes to me, it just, it's almost, when I think of archetype, I think it's, it's like a mask you put on. It's not authentic. And I yeah. think that's why I just like have an aversion and it's just me. I know it's just me, but I have an aversion to the word archetype. Yeah, I'm not a fan. What I am a fan of, though, is how Liz talks about the elements. I just loved the way that she talked about it and the way that she, I mean, because beforehand, it's like, of course, I knew about the elements in the cards. And of course, I took them into account, but just not ever in this way. Like the way she talks about it being the weather of a situation. So if you were to pull um, a whole bunch of wands, like it, like there's a lot of heat. Things are burning up in this situation. There's a lot of passion, but it could be like it could be like just being angry, like feeling heat in that way, right? Or if you pull a lot of um, maybe pentacles, maybe even some cups, then like things are really growing for you. Things are really abundant. And like you don't need to even look at the images on the cards to bring those things through. I mean, you can literally just think about earth, air, fire, water. Think about what those things bring to a situation in terms of temperament let's say or temperature or feeling in that way and then like read like that and I think that's so cool I mean I like I honestly got lost in these pages and I didn't take a lot of notes because I was just enjoying what I was reading like the keywords that she uses just and the way she combines them I mean the fact that she gave each of the elements a different speed you know fire being the fastest and earth being the slowest it just it all really it got me going. I loved it. It was yeah. just, it was so powerful for me. Yeah. I honestly, because I think you brought it up in IG Live and maybe in one of the other episodes we were recording. And I just love how passionate it made you. Like oh, it was just like yes. your queen, your queen of wands energy was just like, bam, totally. this is awesome. <laughs> no, no, I have to agree. It was a really interesting. I mean, of course we have talked about, I think on the show about yeah. how the elements kind of play into the cards. So it's not like it's a new concept. It's just like a really neat um, lens for this concept. And I, I really liked it. Yeah, I feel like elements have never jumped off the page so much as they have here. And again, I, I think maybe it's just certain keywords that she uses and because she does go through combinations. So she'll talk about, you know, pulling a lot of cups with a lot of wands, let's say, right? And just, I don't, I don't know that I've seen that anywhere else. And I don't know that I've seen anything beyond the typical like, okay, hot wet, cold, uh, I don't know, dry. Like it's just, it's very nice to hear some different ideas and how they might actually show up day to day. Yeah. It turned them into actions, not just adjectives. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I really like the way that she talked about how the elements work with each other. Like, um, I think it would help to combine card meanings in a reading. So like, you know, if you have two cards beside each other, you can figure out how they're working together just based on the elements. So for an example, she was talking about fire and air, and that's putting the two fastest elements together. So that can mean things spread, quote unquote, like wildfire. <sighs> like I li- right? like I read that and I was like, Dadoy, this is genius, yeah. you know? Right? It was, it just, it was great. It was just one of those things I was like, oh, this is new and I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then I also like, she posed the questions how can, you know, air help me and how right. can it harm? And I was like, that's really interesting. So since you're looking at it from both angles, maybe that's a way if say a, uh, a new tarot reader wants to learn how to do reversals, that might be a really interesting place to start just mm. based on the elements, how it can help if it's upright or harm when it's reversed. Oh, wow. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Well, 
Loved it. It was a great chapter. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm already really using that a lot right now. So can't wait to just keep moving with it. So let's talk about court cards. Um, I like that she addressed the difficulty with connecting with court cards. I think that's a very common issue for a lot of people. It it remains an issue for me, honestly. I, I do not connect super well with the court cards. There are different, you know, there's days when I connect better and certain decks that I connect better with. But, mm-hmm. um, and I, I like that she talks about how there's, authority and hierarchy and social status wrapped all up in those 16 cards. And honestly, it feels like that part of the deck is kind of stuck in medieval times. Like we do not really use these systems in our day-to-day lives anymore, at least not in the countries that we're living in. So yeah. And we're the countries, we are in one country, but Tarot Coven Cast is an international podcast, which, you know, I would assume community is everywhere. Yeah. But I think for the most part, we're not living in societies that have these structures anymore. So and you know, her idea of the of limiting the cards to just energies or just people, I agree that that isn't helpful, although it could be a good inroad for you. That said, it might also just restrict you later on. So I don't know. You got to figure out what works for you and leave the rest as always. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good tool to have in your toolbox to grab at, but I don't think it should be your only method of reading those cards. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so I was, I was really digging the outlining kind of the underlying themes of the like roles or experiences in, in her rundown, rundowns of the court cards. Um, like. So, for example, in back in the day, the pages were actually children. They were like the apprentices of the knights, right? right? Yeah. So they were brought in. So that follows kind of the general consensus of tarot that they would have been students, learners, dreamers. So that's like the personalities. But we can also translate that to like inner child work, mm-hmm. uh, picking up a new skill, opening like being open to learning a new idea or perspective, going for training work or something to that. Like we can change it to not just be like as a personality thing or a you know. Who right. you, like your person. Yeah. So I really like that. And it kind of, this, the whole thing also circles back to, like, I nerd out about historical stuff. Like, it's no secret. History is like <laughs> my thing. Um, but so in traditional decks with the references, it's kind of like a snapshot of the everyday life of the past. I don't like hierarchy. That's no secret. But for me, the courts, I look at them as if I'm playing like cribbage. Mm-hmm. So they're all worth 10 points. They're all sure. equal. So there's no hierarchy <laughs> for me. So I like that. You know, um, but yeah, and I mean, for better or for worse, it does give us kind of a historical idea of what some societies looked like at that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the, listen, that's that, that's when tarot was being created. I mean, it's yeah. that's, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about decks that switch it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the wild unknown, you know, like, I don't know that I'm super into like the family structure, but I at least like the way that it deviates from king and queen, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, just to mention Bobby and Outsider Tarot, I'm really looking forward to uh, his reinterpretation of those 16 cards because as we talked about, like it's just all element-based. So with yeah. my newfound love for elements. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to just We're gonna be best friends. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. Adding on to that, I think it's really also too, if we can see the historical traditional kind of depictions and see the contrast with all these new decks that are coming out, I think that's just delicious. I I love to see that transformation because it Mm. reflects how we've transformed as a people, as a society. 
Yes, very true. We do have an upcoming episode on the court cards, so I think we'll, you know, save the rest of our conversation for them for that episode. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the formulating questions section. I do. I did feel incredibly bad while reading this section because I was like, oh, yeah, the amount of time that I've asked, oh, just like a general, just like pull a card for whatever. (laughs) And I'm like, damn, that is like really annoying. And I know it's annoying because I've had people do it to me. And I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) I mean, I have no way to direct this for you. But I don't know. It is a sticky area of readings because, you know, like, questions, even if you have a specific question, it can be kind of subjective. Like she talks about this situation where she had a client that was asking, you know, is this a good time for me to take a year off and focus on a creative project? And for her, what creative project meant was completely different than what the client had meant, which was taking a year off to travel to be inspired for the creative project, right? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, yep. we need to get, we need to be more, um, We need to define our questions better. But if you are reading for somebody else, that can be tricky because it's like, I don't know, one or both of you could be a little bit shy or nervous about what's being asked or what you're asking. And so I get it. It can be a sticky area of readings. But the I think the most important thing about formulating questions is that the better your question, the more clarity there's going to be during the reading and the more empowered the reading turns out to be, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like when you're stuck, like this is just a bit of advice, not from the book, but if you're ever stuck with that, where you just want to know generally, you don't know what to ask, or you have a, a sitter, a, sorry, a querent of somebody you're reading for, um, who just doesn't know what they want to ask, you pull a card and your question is, what should they be asking about? Oh, and that can open up a conversation and then they can start asking questions and it can, you know, so if they are shy or a little nervous or not sure what to expect it kind of opens it up a little bit and says, okay, we're just going to talk. This isn't, this isn't like a big mystical, you know, it can be a mystical experience, but. Right. That's a really great piece of advice. I love that. There you go. I think that you could probably even use, there's so many times that I want to just take out my deck, shuffle and pull cards, but I don't actually have a question. I just want to connect with the cards. And I think that I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah. Do that. It's like having a conversation with your cards. I mean, which it I guess should technically, be. Well, and it should, yeah, definitely. And it's almost like having a conversation with your your inner self as well, like your subconscious. Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. That's a great piece of advice. There you go. Free for you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to mention, I am I am so here. Um, Liz mentioned about um, people expecting a reader to just kind of read your mind if mm. you're sitting down for a reading. Yeah. That is a huge, like, gets under my skin so bad. <laughs> and it always has. And I was really happy to hear her talk about it. Yes. Um, and she and, she doesn't pull any punches either. She's just no, like, I love that story love that it. she shared about the woman that came in that was like, oh, it's it's a great day. I, I finally was able to get a sitter for my kid. Yes. But you already know that, I'm sure. And Liz was yeah. like, no. And, like, and why would I believe that? when she said it. Oh, my God. I was, was so like, aggravated for Liz. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. But no, I mean, that is actually part of the reason why I, I stepped away from reading professionally for a couple of years. Oh, Because wow. I just, I could not stand the people that just wanted a sideshow. Yeah. And I was like, that's yeah. not what I'm here for. I don't have anything to prove to you. You're coming to me for advice. Do you want it or not? Yes, that's exactly. It. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was really good to see her just, there it is right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I do really appreciate that about her personality that she's just very... um 
I don't know. Like, I don't think open book is the right way to say it, but and blunt isn't quite the right word either, but just very, I don't know, straightforward, I guess. Yeah, but just, it's just right there and yeah. that's it. So let's move on to the section just basically about reading the cards. Um, and a big part of this was talking about like putting your biases aside, uh, which kind of leads into or leads out from the whole thing of formulating questions and how it can be kind of subjective. But I mean, what like how you've been reading a lot longer than I have and you've read more for other people than I have for sure. So how do you what is your approach to like checking your biases when you're reading? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I want to admit that like being unbiased isn't always my first reaction. It's taken sure. practice that, yeah. that my first response wasn't a biased opinion. And by biased, I don't mean judgment. I never judge ever, ever. But biased as in if I think um, my sitter would do well to, I don't know, leave their husband or something. That's just a random example. I'm not going to tell her to do that. Even though my bias would say it's not a healthy relationship, get out. Right. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about when I say a bias. Um, so what I've learned is just to take a breath and think about why am I looking at it through that biased lens? And I just try to shift it. So nine times out of 10 is because I've been triggered myself, like good or bad, in some way by a past experience or a thought pattern or something like that. So I have to just remind myself that it's not about me. Right. Like, no, I'm human and I try really hard just to give messages as unfiltered as possible. Um, and then there's also too, like I have before in my mind, my inner voice, I've said, who the hell are you to make an assumption? Who the hell are you to draw that conclusion? That's not, that's not for you. That's not what the message says. You just tell them what the message says and don't, you know, your, your opinions are not, not appropriate here. So it's almost right. like you have to give yourself that hard kick in the arse sometimes. So you just have to give yourself a talking to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen often anymore, but. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume that with, you know, the, just the more years of experience that that just becomes a little bit easier every time. It does. It does. Because, I mean, I have to be honest, like, it's it's definitely something that I'm still working on. And I I guess I kind of pair judging and being biased in the same kind of thing. And it's not that I want to be a judge. But me, I don't know. Like, it's I'm just thinking about certain situations. For example, what you were just talking about. I. I'm I'm not great at keeping that stuff to myself. Like I'm I just want to tell somebody, especially I think in a situation like what you just brought up, I just want to be like, girl, you need to go. <laughs> like, yeah. like and I find that really hard. And I, I'm sure yeah. everyone does. And it's just a skill that you have to develop. But yeah. I'm almost hoping that when I'm in a situation like that, the cards that come up will be like, well, it's there. So I get to tell them anyway, you know? <laughs> this is the six of swords. You need to leave. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. But there are ways, though. There are ways to work it in um, to a con like, say, taking that same situation. It's not a healthy relationship, whatever. Chances are it's going to, like, if that's really a concern, it's probably going to show up in the cards and you're going to see it. And that's why it's triggering that, right? Right. But you don't necessarily have to say you're not in a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. You need to leave. True. You could say it looks like there might be some, you know, some tense energies or, you know, something that's not working for you within this relationship. Do you think that maybe you should talk to somebody about it? I really right. think it would do well, you know, and then say, I know of a few counselors or I know of a hotline that you can call completely free of charge. I'm happy to give that to you if you'd like it. And then you're leaving it in their court, but it's there. You know? So there's like ways to finesse your opinion yes. into the conversation. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But see, I say I reserve that only for those kinds of situations where I am actually like concerned. Fair I'm, enough. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
And I think that's fair. And I mean, as tarot readers, we're not counselors. We're not psychiatrists. Like, we're not obligated to do anything for anybody, really. Um, Exactly. Even if there's harm happening. But it's really hard not to to want to do something. But I think that's human nature. And I don't know. But You don't get into this kind of line of work if you don't care about people. That's a very good point. Yeah. So. I think but. what I really liked, and I, I can't remember if she, if Liz was exactly tying this into keeping your biases in check, but the advice of staying on card, I thought was really helpful because yes, there are times that as I'm going through a reading, something will just come to me and I have been doing my best to kind of just like, okay, make a note of that, but it doesn't necessarily need to come out. Let me stick to what's happening here on this card. Um, and it doesn't mean I'm like ignoring guides or or intuition or anything like that. It's just that this is the card. Let me read that first and then kind of bring that in. And then I think I think staying focused on what the card is in front of you can help just shut everything else out too. Yeah, th- uh, that was it was really interesting because my first reaction to that was like, but when a message come, comes, a message comes. Mm-hmm. But then you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, but if you get a certain card and you're getting this side message, that doesn't mean that that message is exactly what they need to hear. Maybe that message is, you know, maybe that's telling you how these two different cards work together, or maybe that's something completely different issue that needs to be brought up with a different card or so. Maybe yeah, it's it for you. Or maybe it's for you. Yeah. But that's always possible in any reading. Chances are something's going to come up that speaks to you as well. Yeah. Well, I, there's one little part where Liz says like about getting cards that you don't like. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, don't shuffle them and put them back. The cards you get are the cards you get. Work with them. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Listen, I am so guilty of that. I mean, not anymore, I but I was very guilty of that. Like, I um, too. I, I mean, I think it still happens to a smaller extent now. Like if I'm just shuffling and something comes up, I'm like, eh, I don't feel like looking at that one. I'll put it away. But <laughs> I'm not in like a serious full-on reading at the time like there were times before and I mean like whatever they'd be fine cards they just like weren't speaking to me for whatever reason so I'd put them back in shuffle the deck guess what came out the same fucking cards so like why did I try to ignore them (laughs) yep yep yeah in there that's that's where clarifiers come in Yes, very true. Or you have to kind of stop and be like, listen, am I just not in the mood for it right now? Because that's okay. Don't force yourself. Like if you, and I think that's honestly what was going on with me is that like, I know when I first started reading, I would do reading after reading after reading after reading different questions, different topics, but like Mm -hmm. I got burnt out and then I'd see cards be like, oh, I just like, I want to end the night on a good note. I'm going to put those back in, pull again. And clearly the cards were like, girl, go to sleep. Go to bed. Like, yeah. enough. <laughs> like, yeah. death this time literally means go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I find, like, anytime I get stuck on that, I'm like, okay, I don't like this card. I don't want it. Instead of putting it back in the deck, I'll, I'll put a number in my head. It'll be, like, you know, seven or something. And so I'll go on Google, and I'll just Google that card, and then I'll go to the seventh link. Oh. And then that's that's the reading for the card. That's it. That's what I get. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. So many cool little tips and tricks. Like I, I think there's a book in there somewhere for you. Oh, that would be 
fine. Yeah. I would do that. Just I'm all those little it. tips like that. Like, oh, if you don't know what question to ask, just pull a card and then start a conversation. I mean, all of these are so fantastic. And I think you only get them when you've been reading for so many years because you've come up with little tips and tricks for yourself. So, well, maybe I'll have to do another book. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. So, listen, so are we. So. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we dive into the third and final part to live tarot? Yes. This, I think, might have been my favorite part. I think so, too. I mean, I really did enjoy the second part. Again, just breaking things down into different systems. But um, this is where it kind of focuses on how tarot is going to come into your everyday life, right? Like how to use it, mm-hmm. how to approach certain types of cards or readings. And it actually really addresses some of the tougher stuff, I think, too. Um, and just, again, very, like how tarot can work practically, which I think is kind of Liz's jam, basically. So, okay. So the first part of part three kind of talks about timing. And I was actually really, um, I don't know, it was a refreshing way of approaching this. This is not at all the way that I thought that this chapter was going to go. I mean, for me, it was really more about um, trusting in timing, not necessarily Mm -hmm. using like, oh, uh, because the pentacle suit is earth and earth is the slowest element, then, you know, that would be the slowest thing to sort of manifest something like that. Right. So I really liked the approach and I wanted to know what your approach to timing in general with tarot was or is, I guess I should say. Yeah. Well, I mean, it changes. It uh, it changes by situation. Right. Um, I don't usually do timelines. And I think I think it's because there's just too many factors. Because remember how we were saying earlier, well, you know, one person makes this choice another person makes this choice, and then things can change. So when you give timing on something, I think sometimes it can almost discourage people when they don't get the results when they're, quote unquote, supposed to get them. Right. So I try not to disempower. And I mean, this could also be because me and time have a very complicated relationship. I don't like time. I don't do time. I don't like linear time at all. Hmm. Um, I mean, to the point where I have, I have tons of clocks in my house and they're all stopped. There's, there's no working clocks except for the digital one on my stove. That's incredible. Because I just I don't like them. <laughs> I love the fact that you just have not working clocks around the house. Oh, yeah. I have, I have one, two. <laughs> I have two right in front of me right here in my office. I just, I love clocks, but I like them when they're stopped. There's something really <laughs> magical about that. Yeah. It's, it's because I make the rules. That's why. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so the reason it's, it's like, when you when you're giving timing for something, people if if they assume it's going to happen, that's going to affect the way that they move forward, right? So the fact like when you when you're doing a tarot reading, you're saying, okay, well by this time, this should happen. Well, that's based on the fact of the person is going to be doing exactly like the same path that they're on right now. Right. But once they know something's going to happen, they're going to behave differently, and it might affect that, and it could just like you know fuck up the whole the whole deal, right? Yeah, and then I see sort of further down in our notes um, that you that you struggled. I guess that's kind of what you were talking about. Like this is why you struggled with this section mostly because you're just not this huge fan of linear time. Yeah, but I I wonder how you feel about the idea that let's say you pull a card and nothing sort of comes to fruition with it. Mm-hmm. What do you think then if something shows up? like eight years later, like Liz does have this story about how she looks back at a tarot reading and kind of sees yeah. how it came true. I mean, how much stock do you put in that kind of idea? Um, 
I mean, I think it's perfectly possible. And yeah. I, I think, honestly, if I'm being totally honest, I think that's probably more plausible than like having a set time and having everything happen right. exactly when you say. Um, because I think we have this, we, we don't see time as cycles. So if, say, I pull something and it says, oh, yeah, this is going to happen in spring. Well, in what spring? Mm -hmm. Spring next year or five years from now? Or So definitely, I totally can see that. Yeah. What's so interesting is that I was really thinking about that whole concept in a very linear way. And then you said, but time, well, we don't think about it as time being a cycle. And yet I feel like we definitely should. And then you just kind of like broke open that whole thing for me of, because I was a little like hesitant to believe that we, I pull a card tomorrow and then I see it manifest eight years from now only because like, there's just so many things happening between mm -hmm. today and eight years from now that like, I think you can put so many different, um, qualifiers and quantifiers and lenses around that, that like, yeah. how do you know that that's exactly leading back to that reading? But I'm also super into like any TV show that deals with wonky timelines or has like a weird time loop or, um, oh, what are those called? Like, a oh, I can't think of it, but when basically everything feeds into itself and it's all, all leading back to the same place. But anyways, regardless, oh, yeah. the idea of like, yeah, this could happen in spring, but it's spring 20 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that idea. <laughs> well, it's almost like you're, you're, you're interested in quantum physics then, right? In the quantum realm and quantum science. Sure. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I, okay, I might be wrong. I don't think I am, but I, I might be wrong. But Albert Einstein, I believe, he proposed the idea that actually everything that we view as past, everything that we view as future, everything that's not this moment is actually occurring at the exact same time in the exact same space, just on different um, dimensions, I guess is the word I'll use. Um, so basically, it. and there was a theory that when we see a ghost, a so-called ghost, we're actually just seeing another timeline just merging with ours. Whoa. And sometimes we're just more aware of it and more attuned to it than others. So that's always something too that that gets right into the quantum stuff. And, and, and it's really powerful healing. Like say you have some childhood trauma. Okay. Yeah. So you can meditate on that and kind of go back to that moment and then decide a different way. Like you can either hold yourself as a child or create a new way of whatever it was that occurred. So if something terrible happened, then maybe in this rea in the reality that you're just going back to, you're changing that and you, you're completely uh, avoid whatever it was that happened. And it's not changing what actually happened, but what it's doing is changing the, sh it's shifting the energy around that imprint in your mind. Wow. So that's, yeah. And that, they call that working in the, the quantum realm. That is awesome. I need a TV show about this right now. <laughs> I love everything that you just said. You, we're not using video tonight because my internet sucks. Um, but you, if you could have seen my face, like my jaw dropped, my eyes went wide. I was like, yes, yes, more of this. Like I was like eating it up. Um, yeah. that is so cool. And the first thing I thought of was when you said that idea about the ghost thing was in Outlander in like the very first episode when they look out the window and they see the ghost oh, of yeah. Jamie. I'm like, yes. whoa. That the perfect example is that it's all just happening at the same time. Yes. And it's the same like the movie The Others, the same oh. kind of idea, right? Like it's just occurring and they're not really aware of each other. I just got chills. I but, am so into this. Yeah. So cool. But I, so I'm just super grateful that 
um, you took that idea and flipped it on its head for me because I was like, well, what do you think about this idea of linear time? And you're like, no, 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 no. It's, it's a cycle. It's <laughs> what I do. See, this is what happens when you leave a druid alone in the forest, you think. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you come back to community and you share, it's so rich and juicy. Yeah. I love it. You know, 200 years ago, I would have been probably committed. But it's fine. It's what fine. a shame, right? I know. I know. I mean, you're probably 100% correct, and that sucks. Thank goodness you live now. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to talk about the section on love and tarot? Sure. I was very surprised by this. How about you? About Liz Worth's approach to all of this, this idea of, like, third-party readings. Um <sighs> It kind of irked me. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. She gives this, um, for anybody that maybe doesn't know, there's often this thing of like, people may come to you with a question about another person and they want you to pull cards for that person, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and Liz made this analogy to a therapist. Like, what if a client said that, or what if they said to a client, you can only talk about yourself, so you can't talk about any of your past, you know, relationships or current relationships or anything like that. And I think, like, I get it, but there is a difference between a tarot reader and a therapist. And there's different, yeah. there's a difference between talking about somebody and I think pulling cards for somebody. Yeah. And I kind of, I'm kind of seeing it both ways now. Before reading this, I was very much of the mind of like, no, let's pull cards for you. But I do wonder now if like pulling cards. I wonder if you can just shift and reframe that and be like, sure, we can pull cards that represent the other person, but we're still talking about you. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? It does. And and I think too, I, I think this kind of requires a little bit of clarity because yes, of course, a therapist saying like, you can't talk about anybody else. Well, of course, you're talking about them in relation to you and the effect they're having yes. on you. That's not a third party thing. That's not That's not you asking someone to quote unquote spy on somebody. So there's a big, like big rift right. between, I think. So that's why that analogy really didn't work for me. Yeah. And so in my practice, I will, unless someone is a consenting participant in that reading, I will not pull cards that are going to be invasive. Mm -hmm. I am all about consent, right? Yeah. Um, and so like, of course, if someone says, hey, I, I need, I need, uh, I don't know, I'm having troubles at work. Can you tell me if there's something about maybe the effect a coworker's having on them? Of course, I'm going to tell them. Right. That. That's that's affecting them directly. But I'm not going to, for instance, like you know, I've I've been asked before, so I actually made a note of this example because I thought it would illustrate it. It's like I've been flat out asked, "Is my ex-husband seeing anyone?" That's none yeah. of your fucking business. First of all, like it's it's not your business. If it's your ex, they are no longer your business. Period. But also, I feel like that's not a question that the tarot can answer. Well, true. I mean, it probably, I mean, I'm not going to say it can't. It, it probably could in a way. Sure. But Maybe it's better to say like, it's not the best use of tarot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like to me, asking something like that is like, you're, you're basically asking me to like follow this guy home, peek yeah. in his windows. And then th that's where I, I will not ever do anything like that. What was that show in like the early 2000s, late 90s? Was it called Cheaters? Where they would follow people around to see if they know. were cheating. <laughs> I feel like that's what it was called. And it's like, I, we're not cheaters, people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that show, but exactly. Oh, it's bad. It's so bad. Yeah. But like. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, no, I do find that some people kind of use tarot as like a gossip tool and that it's <laughs> not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe, again, this was another section where maybe the wording just wasn't like vibing with us or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. I, but, that is probably most likely is that we just kind of. Because I also I get the sense that Liz isn't going to spy on people. Mm-hmm. But exactly. I think what more what she means is like, let's pull cards of that person in relation to you, you know, like, yeah, anyway. And then there was, you know, more stuff about like getting very specific again about the kind of questions that you're asking. Like, you know, for example, I was thinking back to a question that we got on one of our Instagram lives and a person was just asking, where are my partner and I at right now? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're on a live, we're just kind of pulling cards. We're not going super, super deep, but we could have further specified that to be like, where do you want to be? Like, what are you guys aiming for? Um, And then pull cards around how to like welcome in that energy. Because I think, you know, without us knowing that person, it it turned out that, you know, they're very happy together right now. They're, they're struggling with a certain thing, but, but in their relationship, they're quite happy, but maybe that person wanted to see that there was an end coming soon and we wouldn't have known that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of, but then on the other hand, that is more of a public platform. So if you, to get those yes. kind of really deep readings, I would, in that situation, I would recommend getting a one-on-one private. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, absolutely. Like if that were a one-on-one reading, that could have gone so much deeper. So, so, so much deeper, especially because the person was willing to share and communicate and like give you that feedback as we were reading cards, which was really helpful. Totally. Yeah. But in general, I know you're not a fan, and neither am I, quite honestly, of of love readings. No. What's your What's your kind of status on that? Well, okay. So I don't know if all the listeners are aware of this, but I did do, I, I worked for a company and did like the, the text in readings where you could text and then get your readings back or email or whatever, right? Oh, and yeah. so we did like high volume readings. So it would be like a quick answer. You know, you got to answer back. And I would say like 95% of the people that were texting in, they wanted to know, you know, um, when am I going to meet my, my person of my dreams? You know, is this person right for me? Or I met this person, are they the one? And it's like, there was so much codependency and this obsession with just being not alone. And what they would do is if they didn't get the answer they wanted from one reader, they would send it to a different reader, the exact same question. Oh my God. So it was an obsessive codependent thing. And that was that was pretty much when I was like, okay, this, I will not do these kinds of readings because I'm not going to, I'm not going to empower that self-destructive behavior. Like you need to focus on you, not on, you know, Mr. Right or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess for me, I'm just like, we can talk about that, but I'd rather talk about like you in general, I guess. So again, yeah. I think I'm coming back to that more middle ground now where it's like, all right, I guess we can pull cards about the relationship, but I want it to be how the relationship is affecting you or what you're doing yeah. in the relationship. Like I really always try to circle back to like the person. Yeah. yeah. It, and for sure, if there's an, like an established relationship, like, hey, I'm married and I just, I want to know a, you know, something. I'll pull cards for that because gotcha. that's, that's different yeah. to me than that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about tarot and life. Now, this was one of my favorite parts. 
Um, just talking about the ways in which one small thing can create an entire thread of our lives and that every step we take is part of this larger sequence of steps, the sort of like a larger path. And um, I think this is my new – and what's funny is that I should listen back to our old episodes because I wonder if I had a similar answer just worded differently. But this is my new what magic means to me of just this idea that like even what I'm doing right now is part of – a larger sequence of things for this week is part of a larger sequence of things for the month in general. And I just, Mm -hmm. I love looking at life in this way. That book that I mentioned earlier where I wasn't going to write the introduction, it was actually essentially about looking at that approach to life and being like, hey, this one thing that I did that day actually led to this, which led to that, which led to that. And not like ever negating something because you just never know. Like I, I responded to, I was listening to a podcast that put out a call for, Hey, do you want to write about TV? Send me an email. I sent an email. I started writing for a website about TV. I started getting really into TV. And then I started a podcast. I was really in TV and had a podcast. And so I watched Twin Peaks was really into Twin Peaks and there was a Twin Peaks tarot deck and I found the Twin Peaks tarot deck and then I got really into tarot and then I got really into tarot and then I found astrology. And it's like, if I had never sent that email, I might never have found astrology. And it just like, it just gives me chills to think about stuff like that. How just reaching out and going for something and doing it and like doing that minor arcana everyday thing can completely change the trajectory of your life. Okay, but then we can take it back even farther to something that's even more mundane. If you hadn't had a background in like knowing everything about all these different TV shows and being able to write with it, but with some authority, like so literally watching TV was a big deal. Yes. And like that was part of the thing of my book was like TV has changed my life and people like poo poo TV all the time, but it it changed my life. Whoa. Yeah. It's so cool to think about. And I loved thinking about tarot in this way because it's one of the reasons that I love tarot so much too, you know? So. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know how to follow up with that now. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't even know where to go from there. Well, I I think you have some quotes here, which I, I think are really great. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. There's so one of the quotes that I wrote down, it really kind of was fun to think about. The quote is, I don't see a difference between the big and the small the magic and the ordinary. To me, everything can be seen as a spiritual act. If we can find meaning, gratitude, intention, or purpose in what we do each day, we don't need to constantly seek spiritual fireworks. Yes. And that, if if anything describes mundane magic, yes, there it is. Yes. And that's, that's like what I'm really vibing yeah. on right now too. Yes. And I mean, it just, it goes hand in hand with what you were just talking about. And I think that's why I have all the goosebumps. It's because it's just like everything I believe in my core is just like, boom, right there in print. And like for for patrons uh, on the Taurus bonus, I believe I was talking about the the third and the ninth house or maybe just the third house Mm -hmm. with you. But like, yeah, I'm seeing this everywhere now. Like this is third house. All these small little magics that build up to the big magic that happens in the ninth house. Like the ninth house is when you have like a spiritual vision or something, but the third house is the things you do every day that led up to that. Oh, it's the best. That's so juicy. Okay. I'm here for it. I'm just here for it. Yeah. All of it. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. So one more quote 
It was, if we can maintain self-awareness and look at our lives as a series of chapters, then we can find the lessons, growth, and focus we need along the way. And so I, I just really love this whole idea of seeing ourselves as a character in a book, like the main character in our own life story, though, mm-hmm. not just somebody's sidekick. Mm-hmm. So, and I think if we lived our lives that way, we would feel so much more validation and um, personal authority over what we do and the choices we make. I just, I yes. love the concept of that. Yeah. And then you can even take that further, like understanding that when you are in relationship, you might be a lesser character in that person's yes. book. Um, yes. But that doesn't make you a lesser person. But no. it's just like understanding those different um, perspectives, I guess. Yeah. You can't be the main character in everyone's story. Yeah. I love that. I could just chew on that for weeks. Yeah. This definitely was the most, I think maybe just because of where we're at in our tarot reading practice, yeah. this was the juiciest part of the book for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Well, you want to talk about the section on tarot and work? Sure. There was just, there was one specific quote that kind of just really got me. It was success can mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really important, especially if you're going to read for other people. What you see as success, maybe that's, you know, a bigger paycheck and a bigger house, isn't necessarily success to someone else. Someone else's success could just look at like being able to stay at home and only work one day a week. And yep have a small farm. Yeah. Hi. (laughs) I was like, "Hmm, who is this? (laughs) So, and I think it's just because so many of us are just consumed with that whole, like, we've got to have bigger, better, and more expensive, and it's got to be brand name, and we've got to make sure we look good, you know, compared to so-and-so that lives next door. I think we forget that everybody's kind of fighting for this false illusion of what success is, and we just need to empower ourselves to make that to create that vision of our own and not let other people or other influences kind of play any factor into that. Yeah. And I mean, that somewhat involves dismantling capitalism, at least within ourselves, which is tough work. So, and the patriarchy. (laughs) Yes, of course, uh, which is tough work. So give yourself a break, you know? Yes. Yes, please do. But yeah, that was the major thing for, for the work section that really stood out. Well, then let's talk about, I believe this is the, uh, the final well, there is the the very short couple of pages at the end that called the truth about reading tarot, which is basically a, re- a reiteration of like you're the one reading it. Like you got to look yeah. within yourself to figure that figure everything out, right? But yeah, the most important skill in reading tarot, which I believe was discernment, is what she said. Yeah, it was discernment. So that's definitely my favorite interpretation of the judgment card, which is why that's exactly I that. what I thought about. Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, and I just, I think this is an important skill in all of life. And I think it's something, I mean, discernment is also critical thinking, you know, is also judgment in that, um, more sort of positive light, like without all those negative connotations we've thrown at that word. Um, but it's a good thing to have just in general, I think is to be discerning and, you know, not be, not be overly trusting, not be overly turned off, which again, I, I know is very difficult. But uh, mm-hmm. my only note from here is just that I I really feel bad for, for, or I just, I really have a soft spot for people that for whatever reason just weren't given the skills for discernment and weren't given maybe an opportunity to develop discernment. I'm not sure. But yeah. Liz speaks about having this client that was seeing another tarot reader 
who was telling him for years that he had a curse on him and that she was going to this place where all tarot readers go and lighting a candle for him to get rid of the curse. And I just, I I had to put the book down because I was just so- I was, I was, I was upset so, for this person. Oh, so frustrated for this person. So, so just like bummed out that that would be the- image that he got about tarot readers or just like just that he had to carry that weight for so long in his life I mean not to mention the money horrible oh my god the money yeah but I've also heard stories about like um you know I took this tarot course a couple of years ago and one of the people that I was in the course with wrote in for one of the like question and answer segments and was saying You know, is it true that maybe you just, maybe you're just not meant to have tarot cards read for you? I once had somebody tell me that like my energy was just too wrong to have my cards read for. And I I just like wept as I listened to it because it was just so awful. Like where do you get off telling somebody that? And where do you get off using tarot as um, a a shield within which to like- As a scam artist tool. It's disgusting. So- I mean, here's here's the thing. This is where, I mean, normally I'm like this peace-loving person. I try not to really get too into things because I don't want to create that energy, right? Yeah. But to anyone who ever, ever uses tarot as a tool to manipulate or to cheat somebody or just to even hold power over somebody, go fuck yourself. Yeah, 100%. I'm just going to get that right out there. I will double there. that. I, oh, I just can't. I can't. It's just really gross. There's no place for it. And it's it's just, I just feel so deeply for those people that have been told things like that and have had to yeah. carry that. It's just, yeah, it's not true. Oh, yeah. And listeners, if, if any of you have ever been told by a tarot reader that you have some curse on you or your family and they need to break it or you need to come back every six weeks to fur it up, no, you get to pick and choose, first of all, how often you come back for a reading. You get to pick who does your cards. So if somebody makes you uncomfortable or tries to scare you, get a second opinion. This is no different than, you know, going to see another doctor. So Mm -hmm. please just be aware and use that discernment because, oh, you just, you, first of all, you can have card readings. There's not a person on the planet who is not able to have a card reading. Yeah. Maybe you need a different reader. Yeah. Absolutely. You absolutely need a different reader. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If somebody tells you that. Yeah. You definitely need a different reader. But yeah, just don't let yourself be afraid. It's not right. Well, I think if you're good to round things out with your final point here about the truth about tarot readings, I think that would be a great uh, a great thing yeah. to leave our listeners on. Absolutely. Okay. Well, the quote that this came from was, "You can memorize card reading or card meanings all day long, but when it comes time to string them all together into a coherent, meaningful statement, you must begin to rely on your instinct and your own vocabulary." Mm-hmm. Now, this is so real. This is such a good, huge, great piece of advice. Every literate person could pick up a book about tarot meetings and just read the interpretations word for word. I mean, if, if you're just starting out, of course, that's a great way to get started and kind of feel out the cards and, and get an idea of what they, how they work. But in order to progress and really deepen your practice, you need to figure out what they say to you and through you to other people. No one is going to do that work for you. Nobody can do that work for you. Yeah. So you need to do that learning. It takes trust in yourself. And it takes lots of really good old-fashioned practice. This can be a really big turnoff. I know for some people, um, we've been groomed our whole lives because we live in a time where instant grab- gratification is mm-hmm. just the norm. It's what we just expect. I promise you it is really worth the effort. Just put in the work and enjoy the ride. Don't, 
it's it's not an end goal. It's an ongoing journey. Yeah, you'll never be at the end of that journey. And yeah. I mean, even if you do, I know I myself found it frustrating at the beginning when I just like wasn't quote unquote getting it. Um, but all those years ago, like it just it feels already so long ago. It just went like that. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. you, it's fine. <laughs> you'll get yeah. there. Time, time's gonna pass anyway. So just yeah. enjoy the ride. Yeah. I think what did I say the other day? It's like you only have that um you only have that experience of doing something new once. So yes. just enjoy that newness, enjoy that freshness, enjoy that everything is for the first time, you know? Yeah. It's just that sense of wonder. Just take it in, like every chance you get. Yeah. All right. Well, that is definitely going to wrap it up for the for us on this episode. Um, this was fun. I definitely think we should do another uh, another book club, but actually make it like a book club. We'll we'll do it right yeah. this time or the next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us for this extra long chat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little behind the scenes, we had a fair fair amount of technical issues. I have no idea how long this will be. I hope you enjoy it all. <laughs> yes, and we love you. Yes, much love. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tarot Coven Cast. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be interviewing a very special guest. And until then, everyone, keep making magic.